this morning's been pretty good. First, the music. The music, I feel like, goes right along with my testimony. And then what CJ had to say this morning, that that went right along with my testimony. And um, actually, I was glad he, you know, he brought up demons and stuff. And and I don't have to now. (laughs) But um, anyways, my name is Melinda Foshi. Some of you know, most of you know me. But there's a few of you that may not know me. And you'll get to know me today. And um, last last week, Todd um, did his testimony, and he used little stick figures. <laughs> but I, I decided to bring a couple of pictures. I was going to bring one of Todd, but I was being nice. <laughs> he had his hair. Remember, he talked about his hair being down to here. And, <clears throat> yeah, and with this one, his hair was down to here, and he was packing a gun with no shirt on. So I decided... I won't do that to him because I wouldn't want him to do that to me. <laughs> so, anyways, I guess we've got a few more people coming in here. but um, And also on the arthritis thing, do you remember Lester Summerall? And one time he said um, not to make a bed for Arthur. <laughs> you know, because Arthur wants to move into your house and make a bed. But you know what? If he's already moving in, then kick him out. So we don't let Arthur come live with us. I like that. I used to love that when he would say that. So, um, Anyway, so a little bit about my background. Um, oh, first of all, I'm a cute little kid. <laughs> it, isn't that cuter than a stick, man? Oh, well. <laughs> I was actually going to use his stick, man, and put curls on it. <laughs> but no, that's, that's a picture of me. I was one years old right there. So, anyways, I think I'm pretty cute, too. (laughs) So, okay, so a little bit about my background. Um, Well, first of all, I want to say that um, what I do here at church is I work with the crew, which is the 10 to 13 years old. Right, Shannon? (laughs) She's she's making sure I say it right. 10 to 13-year-olds and... I'm their pastor, and I'm loving it. It's a really great age to be in there with. They're so much fun, and they tell you lots of things, (laughs) things that you don't want to (laughs) know, but that's okay. (laughs) So, okay. Anyways, um, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my father. Uh, Todd brought up my father and my mother last week. Who, Who was all here last week? Everybody or most of you? Okay. Well, he brought up them, and, you know, he said... He wasn't, you know, going to say anything about them or make them make to make them feel one way or another. We do love our father and we do and especially our mother. But our um, father, he's Mexican and he's from Aldama and Chihuahua, Mexico. He lived in both of those places growing up. And um, the way he grew up was a pretty, pretty difficult time. (laughs) He grew up. In the streets, you know, they, his father would send him out to every day. He had 16 brothers and sisters first, let me tell you. 16 brothers and sisters. And so some of the kids had to get out on the street and bring home some dough. Okay? So he was one of them. He had to go. <clears throat> he told us that they had to go out in the street and whatever the, it was that they had to do to try and get some money, they did it. <laughs> you know? So I think they sold little things, too. I don't know what all they did, but... And if they came home without money, his father would beat him with a chain. 
that not just him, but some of his other brothers and sisters. So I'm just giving you a little background about him that, you know, made him kind of an angry guy later. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> yeah, he talked about that. You know, they were afraid to go home because they didn't have any money. Can you imagine being a little kid and going out in the streets, can't find any way to make money? But you get back and you get beat for it. So I, this, I believe, is, you know, some of the things that made him who he was. And then my mother is from Garber, Oklahoma, and born and raised Garber, Oklahoma, and Perry. And my mother and father, <clears throat> they met in Perry, Oklahoma, and they got married. And then, of course, they had, um, well, there's, I have five brothers and sisters. I'm the second one, and at home I was called Big Bad Bertha. Because I had to make sure the house was clean, everything was done, and so I would walk around, of course, acting bad. <laughs> they would say, it's Big Bad Bertha, run. <laughs> Taylor, and Taylor's that one now. <laughs> you know how I feel, right, Taylor? Okay. Well, it was pretty rough bossing them around, but anyways, so um, let's see, where am I? Oh, so they, so they got married. We have... Brothers, I have five brothers and sisters. Um, I guess I'm going to start probably when I was like three years old. That's kind of when I remember my life starting. I was probably like three years old. And Shannon, you can put up my other picture, and that's about, I was probably three or four in this picture. Maybe older. I don't know. <laughs> but I like that picture, too. So <clears throat> about that age... Um, Something traumatic happened in my life, and I'm not going to go into details today. I, I asked the Lord, and it's fine with him today. I'm not going to go into details what happened to me, but something traumatic did happen to me. And at that time, it caused me to open a door for asthma to come into my life. And I can remember not being able to breathe. All of a sudden, I, ju I just couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. That I was like, I would go to my mom and go to my dad. I can't, I can't breathe. You know, I just remember being a little girl, not understanding why I couldn't breathe. And so my dad took me down to the pharmacy, and I can remember I went with him. We walked down there, and they gave me my first inhaler for asthma. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is, was my struggle for life for a long time. And my, I wanted, I said my first inhaler of maybe a thousand or more inhalers. And, and I lived on inhalers. They would be in my pillows. They would be wherever. I, would, I packed them everywhere because I, I wanted to breathe. And some of you um, know that today, you know, back then, <laughs> I was born in 1960. I'll give you my age. 1960, um, there wasn't a whole lot out there for asthmatics as far as medicine and those kind of a thing. So now we have all kinds of wonderful drugs and things that do help people. So, okay, so all I remember is I just struggled and struggled and struggled. And then um, by, at this time, we're living in California. And so that, what I remember next is being about seven years old and um, my baby sister being born, Melody, wherever she is. There she is on the corner. And um, this, this kind of just started a whole thing of, a pattern in our life, and uh, my dad, he he liked drinking, he liked gambling, and he liked other women. 
And um, at this point in our life, when my sister was born, he had another woman. And so uh, I guess my mother told me that um, when, when she had to go to the hospital, he wasn't even around. She had to call and find someone to please take her to the hospital. And so she, um, it was one of my dad's cousins. He ended up taking her to the hospital. And I guess she was there for three days. And then when, so Melody was born, and when she gets out, next thing I know is we're all packed up, and my dad's putting us on a train to Oklahoma. And um, on this trip, we had no money. We had no food. We had nothing, nothing but ourselves. And my mom with a brand-new baby. And... <clears throat> So, you know, the first day goes by and we have no food and we're complaining. You know how kids are. Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm hungry. Well, the the other thing that was happening is I got a brand new baby and this baby wants to eat. And she was having difficulty. She was in the bathroom trying to breastfeed this baby. Because I remember walking in there and she's crying because nothing's working. And, you know, you can just imagine. It's like awful. You got four other kids begging for food and you can't feed a baby. So it was, it was a tough moment for her. And so my oldest brother and I decide we're going to take some things into our hand and we're going to get some food. So this was probably when we started learning how to steal. <laughs> and I think there was other people on the train that realized that we, were, we probably were not eating. And that, you know, we're all sitting there crying and begging for food. That probably was a good... Um, oh, I think they're hungry, <laughs> this lady with all her children. And we were all pretty young then because if I was seven, everybody else is, you know, a lot younger. So uh, so my oldest brother tells me, okay, sis, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go up there where the candy bars are, and I'm going to talk to the clerk, and you're going to just start taking candy bars. So I was like, okay. Well, I was scared, but... So we went up there, and he's talking to the guy and, and co- carrying on conversation. I'm thinking, oh, man, i got to steal candy bars. So it's my turn now. I have to steal candy bars. And so I, I can remember reaching up there. The counter was really high, and I was like, <laughs> you know, just taking these candy bars and putting them in my pocket. And I know, I look back now, and I know the guy knew we were stealing the candy bars. I think everybody in the train knew we were hungry. <laughs> so um, we took candy bars. Okay, we ate. We had a few candy bars. But later on, this other family on the train came over and brought us all sandwiches. And so um, I can remember thinking, wow, somebody, somebody loves us. You know, I can remember thinking that. Somebody loves us. They brought us sandwiches. So, you know, you can look back and know that God was there even, even when we didn't know him. Right? I'm sure everybody can testify to that in their lives. So third day comes, you know, we still don't have anything to eat. So, but we're finally back in Oklahoma and, and, um, we have to go live with grandma Brown that Todd was talking about. So we're living with grandma Brown and my mom's just trying to find different things to do to try and feed us. And, you know, uh, I don't even remember what job she was doing, but at this time I'm, I'm still sick. I'm sick. I, I, I didn't have a doctor. I just laid around suffering. I never went to school. I, I didn't go to school very often. When I did, I went to school and I felt like I was a dummy because they would like, don't you remember what we talked about last week? And I'm like, no, I wasn't here. And so, <clears throat> so I grew up thinking I, for a while that I was pretty dumb. And I did. I, I made F's. 
in all my classes. And that was, that was pretty hard. And so then my dad decides to come back into our life. He decides to come back and move home from California. And this may be the first time some of my, our kids have heard this story, maybe. And so he comes back into our life, and, you know, he's all cool. He's good. And my mom takes him back. And, and, we, and we, well, before that, though, excuse me, I have to back up. We moved into a house that we all called the cockroach house. <laughs> Remember that one, Todd, Melody? Melody was too small, probably. But anyways, we lived in this house that, and with my aunt and her kids, we were all there, and these cockroaches were everywhere, and they would crawl on the ceiling, and at night they would fall down and into our bed and our food. Yeah. So that's what condition we were in before my, do- my dad came back. So he came back, and <clears throat> he, you know, he gets a job, and he's working, and we move into another house. We get to leave the cockroaches. Thank God. I was so happy. <laughs> and, and I remember, too, during that time that we had a Christmas without our father. And there was a church that came. And I just want to say, you know what, I appreciate this. That that. You know, a church body came out and took care of us. They brought us food and they brought us gifts and we got new pajamas and everything. And we were so excited. I can remember I got a little ironing board with a fake iron. I was excited about that. But we didn't, you know, we didn't know. We just knew that somebody loved us. We didn't know what our whole situation was. As a kid, you don't. So, sorry. So, anyways, I'm just thinking about you guys. I know you guys, you know, would do the same for other people and and how wonderful we are here and what we do for other people. So, um, we move into another house with our father and we move into a pretty rough neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, there was other families like ourselves. (laughs) Pretty, pretty mean pretty mean kids there was like five families that you know we can look back now and go whoa that was some that was a rough neighborhood and we were part of that rough neighborhood (laughs) we're a bunch of little half mexican kids running around with lots of cuss words and and you name it (laughs) and so in this neighborhood though i met my best friend but she wasn't allowed to come play with me for a while because i was mexican and she would sit across the street, and she would stare at me, and I would sit across the street, and I'd stare at her. <laughs> and she's not here today, but she was here last week. And then, and, but then, I, you know, we would act like we didn't like each other. But then one day we got together and we played without our parents knowing, which my parent didn't know what we were doing anyways, but her parent did. And so we played, and that's how I met her, and now she's my sister-in-law. So, um, but her family was pretty rough, too. And so at, at this time, I'm still sick. I'm, I'm hardly ever in school. And things are just getting worse with me. I not only um, have asthma, but at this point in my life, I have eczema. It comes up on my skin, and I have it all over. It was on my ears and my arms, everywhere. And I would scratch, and it, it would bleed. And, you know, everybody at school thought I was a freak because I was breathing crazy, and I had funky skin. And... 
And um, <clears throat> so at this point, my dad, he's working with Ditch Witch in Perry, and they offer him a job in El Paso, Texas. So we moved to El Paso, Texas, and we're there. And I was, I forgot something, but oh well. Anyway, so we're there, and the same, this pattern happens all over again. The pattern that I'm telling you about, where my dad likes to drink, he likes to gamble, and he likes other women. And he, you know, he would get his paycheck, and he would go and blow it. Blow it. Never, he wouldn't buy groceries or anything. He would just come home. I don't know, I can't imagine, you know, thinking, I'm going to go home, and your kids are staring at you, and they're hungry. But... Anyway, so the same pattern was happening over again. And I think I was like in fifth or sixth grade at this point. And I can remember, one thing that I remember the most is that we went without food for two weeks one time. And, you know, again, we're griping and complaining because we want food. (laughs) We're hungry. And my mom's just like beside herself, trying to do anything and everything she can. She would sew for other people. She would do anything. Uh, ironing, washing clothes, she would do anything. And <clears throat> I can remember, I have to tell this one on you, Todd. Todd was, I mean, he was, I mean, he was weak. <laughs> he was really weak. And he said, there's mayonnaise in the fridge. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that would make you feel good if you eat it. And he goes, I'm hungry. And he went in there and opened it. We're all watching him. And he's eating the mayonnaise. <laughs> and, and he's so happy because he's eating. And later, he threw it all up. <laughs> because that wasn't, that's not real food. <laughs> and we would have been, been happy to have a pot of beans. Because that's pretty much what we ate. Beans and tortillas all the time. So, <laughs> right, Mel? <laughs> and so anyways, the same thing. So pretty soon, you know, my dad's doing his thing. And my mom, this, during this two-week period, we didn't have any food. Well, my dad wasn't coming home either. So she didn't even know where he was. But she found out that he was in jail for drugs and alcohol and some of these things. So, so she got him out, but she decided she was going to leave him again. Okay? So um, when she gets him out, he goes back to work and does doing his thing. And so one night... She tells us, pack your stuff that you want, because in the morning we're leaving when he goes to work. And, and of course, my oldest brother and I are are the only ones that are old enough to know what's going on. The others, they don't care. Just lay them in the seat with a pillow. They're happy. So so I remember that morning came. My dad left. And you know what? It always made me sad. But he left, and we all got in the car. And we were all like, shh. Don't let the neighbors hear us. You know, I don't know why we thought we had to be quiet about it. I think my mom wanted us to be quiet about it. And so we're all like putting everything in the car and five kids and my mom. And so we go back to Oklahoma. We come back to Oklahoma and guess who we're living with? Grandma Brown. (laughs) You guys know Grandma Brown and she's not even here. (laughs) And Grandma Brown, um, she fed us. She took care of us. She made Todd pick switches because he was a bad little boy sometimes. <laughs> As he was talking about switches last week. And, you know, he did. He tried to get it. And I told him, don't pick, don't pick the little one. And he would go, yeah, yeah, she won't spank us if, 
if I, she has the little switch, yeah, she'd go out there and pick the big one. <laughs> she'd go back in there and whip us when we needed it. But again, I was very sick. And at this point, um, we finally had a, a doctor there in town that was trying to help me. Every time I had an asthma attack, he would he would give me adrenaline shots that he said he, that he would give that people would give to horses, and that's all that helped me live at that time was getting an adrenaline shot that some kind of shot they gave a horse because he didn't know what to do to me do for me. He and he just this doctor he had compassion for me actually, he did. He cared about me. He came to the house. He you know checked on me, and <clears throat> but yet. He'd tell me, I don't know. I don't know what to do. We don't have anything. We don't have anything. Oh, more inhalers. <laughs> you know, that's what I had. And and Todd, like Todd talked about, you know, I turned all kinds of per- colors and almost died many, many times. And then, um, guess what? My dad wants to come back home. So my mom takes him back in. My dad comes home. And at this point, uh, see, I was trying to think how old I was. I don't even remember how old I was when he came back, but it wasn't but a year. Each time it was probably about a year that he would do his thing. And you know what? He even told her, my mom one time, if you just give me five years, I'll straighten up. Just let me do what I want, and I'll straighten up. Yeah. How many of you ladies would hang around for that one? (laughs) No. So... But she didn't know what to do. She would take him back because she's got five kids and we need food and we need a way to live. So she took him back and it wasn't long. We were doing the same thing again. You know, I'm still sick. I'm, I'm struggling. And he's, before you know it, he's got another, some other woman. We would have women calling our house and asking for my dad. And I don't want to tell you what Todd said on the phone. <laughs> he'd go oh i know who that is you know and not only that we had men calling the house to tell my mother what's going on and you know that's that's pretty rough that's pretty rough i can't even imagine it and he my father was really getting into the drug scene and he was uh doing lsd he was doing he did everything and maybe he was selling drugs too probably he was <clears throat> But at this point, um, it was pretty crazy in our house. He never came home on time. He did whatever he wanted. He was angry with my mother all the time. I can remember her even him throwing a bowling ball at her one time, and it, you know, just with anger. He had lots and lots of anger, and I know that the drugs were causing him to even be more angry. And at and my oldest brother and I, I guess we always had each other. And we one time we were like. Man, I don't even want to go home. Is he going to be crazy tonight? Is he going to be mean? You know? And I can remember us standing at school thinking, how, how can we get out of this going home? <laughs> and, and especially for him and, and especially for Todd, you know, my dad would beat them in the garage sometimes. And, there, and that's why I brought up what happened to him as a child because he would do that too. But he never used a chain, I don't think. But he would take them to the garage sometimes and beat them. And so things just got really rough. And then one day, my dad lost his eyesight. And my mom put him in the hospital in Enid. And they said it was from the LSD that he was taking, that it caused him to lose his eyesight. 
And I believe, when I think back about it, I think God was trying to get a hold of him. <laughs> and it was like, come on, you know, I think he was trying to get a hold of him. And because, you know what, he got his eyesight back. It came back like a week later. And that's mercy to me. And he came back, but he's still doing the same thing. And so my mom decides to divorce him. And I was 14 years old at that at that point. And so she... she um, divorces him and we're all sad because dad's going away you know it doesn't matter you know what sometimes kids are so resilient doesn't matter what you know the parent has done to them they always want to love their parent it's pretty crazy and um so he you know he moves out and i'm still sick and i'm probably the worst that i had ever been in my life and, oh, by the way, we got a dog in the meantime. Somewhere in here we had this Dalmatian dog that was called Whitey. Well, we find out later that Whitey was one of my problems, too. <laughs> and so it was a few, maybe a year later after my dad moved out, she took him to court and, and tried to, so that he would have to pay for me to be able to go to a, an allergy clinic so that I could actually get some help. And so he comes up with the money. We get to go to the allergy clinic. And they found everything. I was allergic to everything. I mean, every animal. Because, you know, they, they prick your whole body all over. You know, everything was like. <laughs> and I was allergic to food. I was allergic to animals. I was allergic to plants. I was allergic to dust. I was allergic to everything. And they told me, here's all the food you can't eat. Chocolate was one of them. Watermelon. I was like, what? Corn. Yeah, I mean, they, they they had a list for me like this. Stay away from it. Don't eat it. You're, you'll be good. <laughs> well, I did that. I wasn't good. <laughs> and and there was and then we found out, you know, smoke. My both of my parents smoked, and of course the dog. So we had bad news for the other brothers and sisters. They were going to have to get rid of the dog, and they were upset at me. <laughs> they were, weren't you, Todd? Melody. <laughs> They were like, do we really? And my mom says, do you want her or the dog? You know, I was hoping they wanted me. <laughs> I think they wanted the dog secretly. No. <laughs> so they got rid of the dog and everything, but that still didn't help because all the dander was still in the carpet. But back to my best friend that I used to stare at across the street, her family took me in for a year and I lived with them for a year because they had no pets in the house and there was no carpet in the house. And I lived with them for a year, but that still didn't help. I was still just struggling, couldn't breathe. I had no, I mean, if I walked from here, I would be out of breath and I couldn't, I mean, I would be laboring to breathe. I I just, I struggled. And then there was days I was okay, but other days I wasn't. Most of the time I wasn't. So they had me there for a year. And so in the meantime, my mom's trying to figure out what to do. Oh, but I, I'm missing a whole huge part. Um, let's see. Yeah, right before that, some ladies from the um, the Aglow Ministries. Do you know the Aglow Ministries? Anybody? Well, they came to my mother and they invited her right after she got a divorce from my dad. I have to go back and tell this. They came and they invited her. And we weren't Christians. We didn't grow up Christians. We didn't even know who Jesus was. And except grandma talked about him, but we thought he was some little fairy tale, you know, in a book. She had him on the wall. Yeah, there's Jesus right there. (laughs) And so um, anyway, so she goes to this meeting 
And when she came back, we were like, who is this woman that just came through the door? Is this our mother? Who took our mother? At the meeting, they get there, they hear, you know, they hear the gospel. My mom and my aunt. They hear the gospel, and my, I guess my mom went running down to receive Jesus. <laughs> she went running down to the front to receive Jesus, and my aunt's following her. I know, Rose, come back. <laughs> You're going crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> and so um, while they're down there, she gets saved. My aunt gets saved. And then they go back to their seats, and they have a call for getting filled with the Holy Spirit. My mom goes running back down. <laughs> and my aunt's, uh, Mar- I mean, Ida Rose, come back. <laughs> this is really crazy. So they get down there, and my mom, she gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and she's on the floor. And my aunt's like, get up, Ida Rose. This is embarrassing. Get up. And my aunt then goes down, and she begins to speak in tongues. <laughs> and so uh, they got <laughs> saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and my mother, she stopped smoking overnight. She, it was cold turkey, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> and them too back there, right? Oh, you. Cool. So anyways, she didn't ever smoke again, uh, she, which was good for me. And um, she couldn't believe it, but she told me her testimony was she felt like that day she had stepped out of a black hole, like she just went, whoop, I'm getting out of this black hole. And, and, that, and she left it behind. And, you know, that was darkness in her life. And she was a different woman. We didn't know her, did we, Todd? She came home, we're like, whoa, who's the fruitcake? <laughs> and so... <clears throat> Anyways, this fruitcake changed our lives. <laughs> and so then we started noticing, wow, she's really different. This is really crazy. And so I start noticing, and then we start going to church also. And at this time, they had these teams they used to call lay witness teams. Anybody? Pastor, you remember that? Yeah. Anyways, we had some lay witness teams over, and they were preaching about um, end times. And, man, I was not going to go to hell. Mm -mm. That scared me. (laughs) And they always say, don't let that, you know, be the reason that you, hey, I wasn't going to go to hell when I took Jesus that day. (laughs) (laughs) And not only did I, but my sister-in-law, who is my best friend, she was sitting right next to me. And we're both like, yeah, we got it. We got to do this, you know. And so it was kind of neat because we were sitting there and we are both praying for Jesus to come into our lives. And I felt a hand on my knee. And so I looked at her and I go, why didn't you touch my knee? And she goes, no, you touched my knee. And I said, no, I didn't. And so we realized that that was the Lord. Isn't that awesome? But we were both like, no, you touched my knee. <laughs> but we got, but yeah, we got saved that day and our lives began to change. And... <clears throat> And then my mother went radical on us. Not just was she a fruitcake, but she went radical. She went radical and began a Bible study in her home. And, of course, I wasn't living there at that time because I'm living with the other family. But I would go to the Bible study. And the Bible study had all these young people from school. Let's see. Let's see. Glenda, where are you? Almack? Oh, is she? Well, Glenda Almack was in that Bible study. And anyways, um, all these kids that I went to school with that thought I was dumb, they were there in the Bible study. We had like 40 teens that showed up 
and we had a bunch. It was for young adults and teens. And I'm just like, they're in my house, the people who never liked me, and they're at my Bible study. Well, you know, things began to change. They realized, who, you know, who we were. They and they were receiving Jesus, and it was it was so awesome. And they were receiving Jesus, and then we started receiving the Holy Ghost. And you know what? Whenever I heard something, I always went for it. And so when I heard about that, I said, I want that. I was just like that. I'm taking Jesus today. Well, I wanted I wanted the Holy Spirit that day too, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit with my sister-in-law. We were there together always. She was my best friend. <laughs> and so, you know, that started our life of learning and understanding the Bible. And I still didn't know anything. All I knew is you get saved, you don't go to hell, and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Because <laughs> I was not going there. <laughs> so let me see where I'm at so I can make sure I stay on track here. Okay, so... um this this family that I, that I was living with, my best friend. Well, they they had other things happening in their home, and so I had to I had to leave. <laughs> and so my mom put me in a hotel, and I lived in a hotel room by myself with an air conditioner blowing so I could breathe on high blast, freezing. You know, everybody come and visit me, <laughs> and I'd be going, "Yes, I can breathe." And so the doctor told me that was the best thing for me. No allergies, keep it clean. There's no dust. And at that time, my mom decides she's selling the house. She felt like the Lord told her, you know, we got to do something different. And the doctor told her, take Melinda to a, a drier climate. Oklahoma is not good for her. I'm here. But anyways, it wasn't at that time. It wasn't good for me. So we're like, okay, we're packed up. And they come by and pick me up at the hotel. And at this time, our oldest brother, he had moved out, and he got into drugs and was doing his own thing. And he, by the way, he didn't get saved at the same time the rest of us did. He was looking at it like, whoa, you know, I don't like any of this. So um, so my mom, we're all in the car, and we're like, Mom, where are we going? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> we're all in the car. Where are we going? Now we get, this is our new home, the car again. And um, she has a she did get a U-Haul trailer, and we had a few things. And so she goes, I don't know. And you know what? She just began to pray, and we were praying with her. And she said, we're, go, we're going back to El Paso. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> so we, here we go. We're moving back to El Paso. And I think that I was like age 16 at this point yeah because i i just got my driver's license and um so we're back in el paso i start a new school and the first day i went to this new school that was huge compared to perry oklahoma i go to the school i go i'm going i went to the restroom and some girl comes in and pulls a knife on me and i'm like what is she doing she's like give me she's like give me all your money and i said i don't have any (laughs) <laughs> I wear these pants every day. <laughs> and she was like, no, give me all your money. And I said, I don't have any. And the first thing I did, I just kicked the knife out of her hand, and it fell in the sink, and I took off running, and I ran home that day. I left the school. I was, like, freaking out because basically I never went to school. And then I came from Perry, Oklahoma, and it was that was crazy. And so I had to go back. <laughs> 
And but before long, I was so sick they they put me homebound. And this is in in Texas, they had a program for people like me that they could put you in a home in your home, and the teacher would come once a week and talk to you about your assignments. Well, I started making A's. You know what? I was smart. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I found out I was. <laughs> he would come once a week, and let me tell you, this is when Todd started going bad. <laughs> and my teacher would come, and uh, Todd, you were crazy. Yeah. One day, the truant officer was looking for Todd, and I was at home. <laughs> yeah. And they came They came to the door, and they were knocking. Yeah. Is your brother here? And I said, no, he's not. And he was in the room. I lied for him. And and pretty soon he comes running by me. Leave! And he's running with a friend. And they're passing me by. And the Trent officer's looking at me. <laughs> and I'm like, why did Todd do that to me? And so before I know it, you know, they, they capture them outside. And, I mean, things were starting to happen in his life that became rebellious like he was talking about. And... And at this time, my stepfather enters the picture. He, he calls my mother from, my mother knew him from Oklahoma. And he started calling her and we're all like, who is this? You know, why, why are you talking to him? And we, I didn't like it at all. And she said, he called and he wants to marry me. And I, and I was like, what? You're going to get married again? You know? And she was like, yes, he wants to come and be with us. And I was like, I, I was so against it. And then he wrote me a letter because I, I, oh, he called and one, he wanted to talk to me. And I said, well, let me just tell you this. I said, I want you to walk on one side of the hallway and I'll walk on the other side. Okay. And he was like, yeah, and I've skipped all my bad part. <laughs> I used to be really mean and beat people up too. So anyway, <laughs> so anyways, um, he was like, okay. And he goes, but I just want to tell you that I don't ever plan to take your father's place. And I said, oh, okay. I was okay with that. And I don't know if Todd ever became okay with it till later, but he wasn't okay with it either. And um, so my mom, he comes. My mom, gets, she gets married. Is this getting long and drawn out? Okay. So he, uh, they get married, and <clears throat> um, they're starting to deal with Todd's problems, too. They have Todd and... But I have to tell you a funny story. My stepdad, before he left Perry, he was sitting in the little little cafe there that it's called Comeback. And he was sitting there, and these two men were sitting there gossiping. And they go, did you hear about that Charles Coe guy? And it's him. They, he's, he's marrying some woman with ten children. <laughs> so he told that story, and, and, and he turned around and he said, that's me, but it's it's five. <laughs> So anyway, so they, so, you know, here we are, we have a new dad now and, um, I'm doing better. And so they tell me that I can go to high school. And so I'm checking into high school now and, um, I'm still not well. The doctors don't know what to do with me. My mom finds these two doctors. I have to tell you about these two doctors. Okay. These two doctors are specialists. They're asthma chronic asthma specialist, and they're both Jews, okay? And this is a pretty funny part because in the end I'll tell you what me and my Jew doctors had in talk. So they tell, you know, they're, they're looking at me like, wow, and they put me on all this 
stuff, steroids, and all kinds of medicine. That, I mean, I puffed up. I was like, <laughs> and some people called me chipmunk and thought it was funny, but I, they didn't know that I was on all these medicines that made me, you know, swell up and be big cheeks. So, but at this time, you know, I'm in high school and I start noticing boys and I like boys. And um, so that, you know, boys are pretty cute. And so anyways, I, I uh, end up with a boyfriend that I shouldn't have been with because I knew better. Um, but this boyfriend, he was just some bad news and some bad things happened and that didn't help my situation. I ended up sicker. <laughs> and um, so anyways, I got rid of him. <laughs> and he was out of my life. And then my oldest brother moves back home. And this is a pretty cool testimony because he moves back in. and But he was in drugs still. It was awful. He brought a friend, drug, druggy friend with him from Oklahoma. And um, he would come home and he was, he was mean and he was ugly and he was horrible and so you know what i i flushed his drugs for him <laughs> i think i had his hands around my neck quite a few times <laughs> he was going to kill me for it <laughs> and um but he started seeing that you know what we're all about and everything and so one night he comes home and he was like an animal i'm serious he was he was pacing like an animal and <clears throat> he I was in my bedroom, and I said, oh, God, don't let him come in here, please. I don't want him to come in here. I was scared. And he went downstairs to talk to my mom, and, and pretty soon he comes back up. And I'm like, oh, I can hear him. He's back upstairs. And he comes to my door, and I'm, like, trying to pretend I'm asleep. And, and he goes, sis, I need your help. Could you pray with me? And I got up out of bed. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I had my Bible then. <laughs> I was ready then. I was ready to tell him all about Jesus. And so we sat down at the table. And, I mean, the Holy Spirit took over. He took over. And I was telling him things I didn't even know. And before I knew it, Todd, he was right there beside me. And he was so cute. He looked at me and he goes, I think he has a demon, don't you? <laughs> and I said, I think so. <laughs> and I'm like, don't say it too loud. But Todd's, so we're both sitting there and we're praying in the, we're praying in the spirit for him. We, we didn't know what to do for him. And I know I grabbed his hand and I began to pray for him and he was set free. He was set free. And he goes, do you see that? And he said he saw something leave him and go out the back door and we couldn't see it, but he did. And he was set free and he, and he received Jesus. So next time you're saying, don't let them come to my door. <laughs> you want them to come to your door so you can help them. <laughs> so Todd and I, you know, we prayed for him and he was set free that night. But I'm still sick. <laughs> it's a long story of being sick. And <clears throat> let's see, I think I was like, um, how old was I? 17. I'm, pr I'm almost graduating and the doctors call my mom in and they said, we want to talk to you about Melinda. And she, she said, okay, well, she's going to come and she'll talk to them. And they, when, she came, when she went, she was devastated. They told her, we have to take her off the medicine that she's on because it will kill her. But she's going to die anyways when we take her off. So we just want you to be prepared for her to die. 
So this is what these two doctors told her. And then they called me in and they talked to me too. And I was, I was like, there's nothing, nothing to help me. And I, I mean, I was, I was hopeless. It was a hopeless situation. <clears throat> but God wasn't done with me yet. I didn't know anything, but he began to teach us. And so I remember I was struggling so much. I mean, I couldn't breathe anymore. I was tired. And sorry. I went to my bedroom and I cried out to him and I said, just take me. Don't let me suffer anymore. That's what I said to God. Just take me. I'm tired of this. And, you know, he wasn't going to do that. <laughs> Even though I wanted, I really did. I wanted him to take my life. But he didn't. <laughs> Instead, I was sitting there with my Bible, and my Bible fell off, off my bed and onto the floor. And so I think, okay, I'm going to look and see. Because it opened to a page. And I thought, well, I'm going to look at it. <clears throat> and so the scripture, I have the scripture. And, Shannon, if you want to put up that first one. It's Matthew 17:21 is the scripture that it was right there in front of my face like illuminated. And it, it says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so I was reading it and I was thinking, is there really demons? You know, whenever nobody ever talks about this, never heard about it. So I, I just began to be inquisitive about it. it is this what I need? Is this what is this what I need? God, how are you going to help me? And of course, you know, this is when, you know, uh, Jesus, the, the man brought his son to Jesus and said, deliver him because your disciples can't do it. <laughs> and then later Jesus tells them this, that this kind comes out but by nothing but prayer and fasting. And it says it also in Mark 29, which I didn't have Shannon put up there. But so, so I went to my parents and I said, and by the way, my stepdad, he went to seminary school. He was a associate pastor. And so, you know, he's got to know everything. So I go on there and I talk to them. And they're like, we don't know about it. We don't know. But we're going to find out. So we start um, looking and searching for these for an answer. And we went to the Christian bookstore one day. And my mom goes in there. And I don't, does anybody remember the Derek Prince Derek Prince years, <laughs> they got all the tapes, you know, on demons, and <laughs> they were going to understand all this. And um, I found a book by Kenneth E. Hagen, and it was on healing. And so I thought, maybe I need to read this. And so I began to read this, and in there, well, first of all, I just want to say that my stepdad, the only thing that he knew was that in James 5.14, Shannon, is the next scripture. It says, is anyone among you sick? And CJ brought this scripture up this morning. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, James 5:14. Okay, so he did know that. He knew that scripture. And so he went to our pastor at the time in El Paso. And you know what the pastor told him? Ah, we don't believe in that. Yeah. And so he goes, well, I'm desperate. My daughter's dying and I need help. And they didn't want to help 
So he calls another church in town. Same thing, same story. Another church in town, same thing, same story. Nobody wanted to help because, you know what, they didn't know either. They didn't know that, you know, you could pray over the sick and they can be healed. So that was pretty disappointing at, you know, time of my life. But at the same time, I'm reading this book by Kenneth Hagin and I find out that, you know what, I don't, I don't have to be sick. Wow, Jesus, Jesus took it on the cross for me. And it talks about this in 1 Peter 2. I think it's 224 is what I, yeah, thanks, Shannon, because I had it wrong on mine. Um, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Okay, the thing that Kenneth Hagin pointed out in his book was that we were healed. It was already done for me. I didn't have to try and do it. It was done. All I had to do was believe that he wanted me well. And so, um, I, boy, I took that scripture on and I was like, I was healed. I'm already healed. And then in Isaiah 53, 4 through 8, it was actually prophesied about in the Old Testament about what Jesus would do. And that's the next one, Shannon. Did you have that one? Or? Oh, Okay. Sorry. See, it looked just like the other one. Where it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was, bar- he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. But that was being prophesied, so we are. But in the New Testament, we were, because it was already done. Um, and all, all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep, bef- uh, as a, and as a sheep before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth, and he was taken from prison and for judgment. And who will declare his generation? So in the Old Testament, it's telling us what Jesus would do for us. And he did. He did it. So you know what? We were healed. We don't have to try and, we don't have to try and do anything. Jesus did it. And so I took all this to heart. And then he also gave me another scripture about um, Isaiah 40, 31, about you, you know, growing weary and that you don't have to be weary. He's going he's gonna to give you strength and you don't have to faint. Because he's going to give you strength. And I just began to take all this in and I began learning. So so we're praying about what to do because, you know, we don't know. But the Holy Spirit is teaching us what to do. We don't know. And so we're praying and my mom says, we're to fast and pray. We're going to fast and pray for, for two weeks. That's what she felt led to do. So we began to fast and pray. My mom and I were the ones fasting and praying. And the rest of them, they were praying. <laughs> But my mom and I were fasting together, and um, that meant we just had nothing but liquid. That's all we had, no food or anything. And so during this two weeks, I'm, I'm growing faster, than, and I'm, going, I'm, I'm growing. I'm reading my word. I'm learning, and I'm getting strong. And at that time, I can remember, maybe I read the Bible in two weeks. I don't know. I was just like a sponge. I was taking it all in. And so at the end of the two weeks... Um, 
it was we decided that day we were going to pray and they were going to, you know, command the devil to come out. And so that day I remember I had a rough day. And so uh, my mom came home. Some other things happened, but she came home. My stepfather came home and they began to pray for me. And and while they were praying for me, all this blood just started gushing from my nose. And I, they put a bucket under me because I was just like, Whoosh. and um, my aunt who lived in Oklahoma, she didn't know anything about what was going on, nothing. And she called and she said, I was doing the dishes. And the Lord told me that this very blood that's coming from, from Melinda is the blood of Jesus cleansing her. And she didn't know. She didn't know nothing. My mom hadn't told her. And you know what? I was free. I could breathe. I could breathe for the first time in my life. That I could remember I was free from being suffering every single day. And I forgot to tell you that when Todd was little, he came to me when I was really sick one time and he said to me, Sis, if I could, I would take it for you. And I said, I wish you could. <laughs> but he was serious. He wanted to take it from me because he just felt awful for me. But so I'm, I'm free. Okay. You know what Jesus, you know what Jesus is to me? <clears throat> Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my deliverer. This is who Jesus is to me. Who do I say he is? He's my healer, my deliverer, my savior, my comfort, my guide. He taught us everything that we needed to know. You know what? Maybe you have a situation where you don't know what to do. God knows. He knows. And he cares about every single one of us. Everything that we go through. And so um, so I'm, I'm better. Did I ever have asthma again? Yeah, it tried to come back on me many times. Many times. But God showed me what I had to do. That I had to rebuke it. I couldn't let it. I had to stand firm and I had to keep, I had to tell it, you're not welcome here. And I mean, up till, I don't know, I don't remember the last asthma attack I had. Um, Faith was a little girl and it was the worst one I ever had. <laughs> and I about died in that room. And I remember saying goodbye. I forgot about telling my, my husband too. Anyways, I, I told him, I said, you know, goodbye. I'm, I'm going and take care of the girls. And he goes, you are not going to die. He grabbed me and he just started speaking the word over me. And I came back. I was felt myself leaving and I came back and I was purple that day and I was blue. He, I mean, he said I was every color there was. And I came back. That's the last asthma attack I had. I think, I think, do you remember it, Faith? Yeah, she was probably like three or four or something like that. But they were scared and my brother came and sat with them. Todd did. And but that's the last one I've had. That's been maybe 15, 20 years ago. I don't know, but <laughs> but I'm I'm so thankful that God didn't let me die that day. <laughs> so I was going to say though, after that, um, I felt led to go to come to Tulsa and go to Rama Bible Training Center, and I did. I went and. I went through the program. I was going to be a youth leader, kids, whatever, which I've done for like 30 years now. And that's been probably one of the most rewarding things you could ever do is work with the teens and work with the kids. And, um, I mean, I, I can't even imagine thinking that I wasn't going to be here for faith and I wasn't going to be here for, 
Aaron, my oldest daughter. And then I took on a son that I, I adopted in my heart. And I was here for you, too. I mean, I might not have been here. But I'm here. And you know what? I'm getting ready to have a grandbaby, too. <laughs> but, you know, the devil wanted to come and kill and destroy my life. I mean, that's what he's about. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you're going through. You know what? If he can make it worse, he'll do it. And and so we have to learn that we have authority, that we have authority over the devil. We have authority. Now, I'm not saying that every sickness has some, a demon, okay, because there are many, many different ways that sickness comes. And But this was, for me, this was my case. It was my situation. And... Uh, so anyways, I'm very thankful to the Lord what he did did for me and I know he wants to do it for you. And and if you haven't received Jesus, then go after him. Go after him like crazy because if not, it's going to be rough. If you haven't received being filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking tongues, go after it because I'm telling you, it says in the Bible that in Acts 1:8 that by, you know, it's from, he gives us his power from on high. That's what that is. We have his power, his dynamite power. And, and that song this morning talking about it inside of us, living through us. And that's what we have when we have that. So, so go after it if you haven't done it. Okay? Amen. Do I turn this off? Oh, thank you. I knew I was going to forget something. Okay, the two Jewish doctors. Okay. <laughs> yes, the two Jew- and this is a really important thing. Um, when they called me in and visited with me and told me I was going to die, I had already learned that I wasn't. And so they looked at me and they told me this awful, terrible news. And I said to them, you know what? I know Jesus, and he's going to take care of me. And they say, well, good, because you're going to need it. You know, they didn't believe in Jesus. And so, you know, after we went through this whole thing, we went back to the doctor. I'm so glad you brought that up. We went back to the doctor. I wanted to go visit them. And I said, check me out. Listen to me breathe. And they did. They did. And they were like, what happened to you? And I said, you remember Jesus? Well, Jesus set me free. And you know what? That day they were, they were like, well, maybe we need to know something about him. Yeah. That day they were they they were like freaking out. They couldn't believe that I was that I was healed. Cuz I told them I'm healed. I came back in, you know, I couldn't wait to go see them <laughs> and ruin their day. <laughs> that they had to find out Jesus was real. <laughs> yeah. So that was real important. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>